Thanks to all of you for being with us. Our toll-free number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. How come the mantra of follow the science is not being followed by the Democratic Party? I'm having a hard time understanding this. I really am. I mean, I'll start with Comrade Bill de Blasio. You know, we have the CDC guidelines, right? They indicated vaccinated students, staffers can go to school in the fall unmasked. Okay, but the the dopey mayor of New York, governor of New York, they're now making kids stick with the mask rule. We've been constantly working with the CDC. No, you're um, not. But we also, in this case, have been very careful given everything the city's been through. So I'm absolutely confident based on this guidance and everything else we've seen that we'll be able to get all our kids back into school in September. But for now, we're sticking with the idea that, you know, wearing the masks is a smart thing to do in schools. We'll keep assessing as we go along, but I think for now it still, it still makes sense. This, the CDC did not say that. Whatever happened to follow the science? Because the science, the CDC indicated if you're vaccinated if you're a staff or a student you don't need a mask so why are you why are you not listening to the science now this is i i find this way more sinister than the way it reads because so the the white house has come out there was a question by uh fox reporter peter Ducey, who's the only one that asks any worthwhile questions of circle back jen Psaki or biden a few times he gets to see him and it was about the federal government's position regarding mandating vaccinations, mandating them, including local mandates and and those in the private sector, et cetera. So anyway, uh, Ducey asked Jen Psaki, circle back, about the federal government's position regarding vaccine mandates, including local mandates and those in the private sector. There are a lot of firms in New York that are reopening. They're, they're, you're not allowed back and are risking getting fired if you don't prove you got vaccinated. Now, it raises another issue if we're following the science. You know, the we, Cleveland Clinic, very prestigious medical institution, says if you got COVID, uh, then you don't need to get any vaccine. That's what the science says. They keep saying, follow the science. And it, does that mean people that had it? Now you're going to say force them to get it there? And by the White House saying they support vaccine mandates by private sector entities and universities and local leaders, to me, that's kind of like their gutless way of mandating vaccinations without having to take all the heat that would normally be associated with it. Well, I would say first from the federal government, if I remember the context of the question, it was about federal mandates, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that's not a decision that we are making, that's not a, uh, that is not um, our intention uh, from the federal government. There will be decisions made by private sector entities, by uh, universities, uh, by educational institutions, and even perhaps by local local leaders, uh, should they decide that is how to keep their community safe, if they decide to make that decision we certainly support them in that step whatever happened to follow the science because now we're not following the science anymore i mean i guess follow the science when it's convenient follow the science when it's political 
Listen, there's a lot of now. Now we're beginning to intersect into this this other area here, and that is that there are Rand Paul's a perfect case in point. They had a fit that Rand Paul, who had coronavirus, is a medical doctor, and he said, "No, I still have T cell antibody immunity, and I'm very comfortable with my decision, my decision." And they talk about the Delta, Lambda variant out of Peru, et cetera. And, and okay, people that aren't vaccinated are more at risk. I stand by my position. My position's consistent. Yeah, of course, I, I, I do believe in science. I believe in vaccinations. I believe that I'm not a doctor and I'm in no position to tell anybody what to do. But I would urge all of you, because I care about you, you're my audience, you make this show possible, Every day you make my TV show possible. I want you to take it seriously because people can die and people have died and more people will die. Don't be one of them. Take it seriously. Research exhaustively, extensively. You know, if you have a phone, you have access to all the information you'd ever want to be able to read in your entire life on COVID-19, on vaccinations, on Pfizer, on Moderna, on J&J and the mRNA uh, uh, science behind Pfizer Moderna versus the more traditional way with Johnson and Johnson. Although there are fetal tissue issues involved in that vaccine. I won't get into that controversy now, but do your research. Uh, you know, now we have Leon Panetta, former secretary of defense, CIA director. He's now calling for mandatory COVID vaccines for the military. Does that include not following the science for military members that already had COVID-19? Uh, you know, saying that it's, you know, look what they're doing in France. France is now making vaccinations, making it pretty much mandatory. You have to have it to get into a bar, a cafe or a restaurant or or to basically live life in France. He's calling. He said there would be compulsory vaccinations for those working with fragile people, the elderly, the disabled, et cetera. You know, you heard me interview, I hope maybe, hopefully you watched the show. I had a nurse on from Houston, Texas, and this woman had been had and we asked her if I could ask about her status on the air before the show. I I don't want to violate anyone's medical privacy or put them on the spot on air. I had my staff ask her beforehand. Do you mind if Sean asks if if you had COVID? She said I had it and she's willing to say it. Okay, fine. Good. I'm not violating uh, her privacy. Anyway, and still 153 medical professionals were fired in Houston. And this is now happening in other medical institutions. But I thought that what they had told us was just the opposite. Follow the science. If you get vaccinated, you're you're good. You don't have to worry. Life goes back to normal. You can go back to barbecues and 4th of July and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Now the CD, the DNC wants phone companies to police text messages for vaccine misinformation. What, what is this, like a mini police state? Now, I hate to tell people there is something that is called and something we should cherish deeply. Number one, freedom, and that's freedom to choose. Again, I'm urging you, take it seriously. Do your research. Talk to your doctor, your doctors, the medical professionals that you know and that you trust and that you believe in. And and then based on your unique medical history, one that nobody in the media, nobody in politics would ever know, make the right decision 
in consultation with your medical professionals. And it ought to be a private decision. You you not you ought need not you know have you or have you, have you ever been vaccinated for coronavirus? I, I mean, they they're telling us to do something that they told us they wouldn't do. Number one and number two, that they're not following the science half the time, which is infuriated everybody. They talk about vaccine hesitancy and they try to keep blaming conservatives for this. This is total BS. You know the the fully vaccinated Joe and Jill Biden, uh socially distanced, fully vaccinated, outdoors with the mask on repeatedly. But the one time that stands out in my mind is visiting former President Jimmy Carter and and former First Lady Rosalind Carter, 96 and 93 years of age, respectively. They're wearing the masks outside, socially distant, fully vaccinated, going to the home of the Carters, take off the mask, no social distancing. And in front of old people, now they're breathing all over them. Well, that that might well, why you if you're vaccinated and you told us would be safe, why are you wearing the mask outdoors, fully vaccinated and socially distant? You know, at, at what point do people have a right to privacy and choice? I thought Democrats are pro-choice, except if it comes to your Second Amendment rights and when it comes to the issue of medical privacy. Now, I'm urging all of you to do the right thing and take this thing seriously. We already we know what can happen here. We know it can get bad, and it has gotten bad for far too many people. And but this is driving me nuts. Just like Joe's economy. Now this is awful news. And you're gonna not gonna think this is awful news right off the top. But so the consumer price index for June went up five point four percent. Um. You look at this number, let's say if you make 75 grand a year, the Biden inflation rate, 5.4% has just cost you over four grand a year. And that doesn't include the dollar 25 extra per gallon you're paying to fill your tank, the extra money you're paying to heat and cool your home and the extra money you're paying for, for groceries and every other product out there. But the CPI number, that is a big deal much higher than had been expected. And this, this this now means inflation has come in well above what people were saying. Oh, this is just a temporary blip. No, it's not a temporary blip. Now it's now it's our reality. And higher gas prices are just going higher. And inflation only hurts the poor anyway. You know, okay, is it going to really impact the rich that much? Not really. You know, Biden keeps saying, oh, our policies are not going to hurt you. We're not going to raise taxes on people that make four hundred thousand dollars or less a year. That's a lie. It was two hundred thousand dollars. It's four hundred thousand dollars a couple. Uh, But if you add the cost of energy, you add the cost of inflation, rising interest rates now to follow sooner than they expected. And all of this hurts the poor and all of this hurts the middle class. And the people that can least afford it. And Biden's uh, economists are now warning to brace ourselves for years of inflation, at least through 2023. You kidding me? And I mean, this this is now real money. Biden has now canceled three billion dollars in student loan debt. Who's going to pay the three billion dollars? McDonald's is now offering child care and tuition to draw workers amid their shortage. Popeye's. I guess they're launching a new um, 
chicken nugget brand that they're now stockpiling chicken because of the higher prices and and the shortages and it's 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 that bad out there you know then of course you have biden and yellen and and every other expert saying oh we we want to have a global minimum tax in other words it's like a tax you know united socialist utopia out there for the world you have Biden's top economic advisor proposing a global minimum corporate tax to offset Biden's tax increase. Yellen calling for a, a global minimum corporate tax because they don't want any country to be a safe haven. And even the 15 percent they're calling for in the 130 countries that are willing to go along with this stupidity, you know, that that still doesn't compete with the 28 percent we're already paying that Joe wants to bring up to 43 percent. But I keep reminding everybody, corporations don't even pay taxes. They pass it on to their consumers. They pay their employees less money. It's that simple. Pretty unbelievable. Joe Biden, we will use every tool on voting rights. And our Justice Department will challenge these new voting laws. Uh, Why don't we start in the state of Delaware, where unlike Georgia, they have zero in-person uh, days of early voting in, in Georgia, they got 17. They have zero, you know, drop boxes in, in Delaware. They have them in every precinct in Georgia. You know, they, they have in Georgia, there's no excuse absentee mail-in voting. You don't need to give an excuse. You, you ask for a ballot, you get a ballot. Not in Delaware. And both states require voter ID. Let's start there, Joe. This is on the heels of uh, Circleback, the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, saying he's going to lay out the moral case why denying the right to vote is a form of suppression and silencing on how he will use redouble his commitment using every tool at his disposal. Start in Delaware. The worst challenge to our democracy since the Civil War are Republican election integrity laws. And then Kamala Harris says over the weekend, Oh, a whole lot of people in rural communities that, you know, there's no Kinko's or Office Max near them, which he suggested they would need to locate in order to abide by legislation in states like Georgia, Texas and Pennsylvania. That's that's just a lie. And it is an outright lie. Eighty five percent of Americans want voter I.D., These are simple integrity measures, voter ID, signature verification, chain of custody controls so nobody can tamper with ballots. Partisan observers observe the count start to finish and you update the voter rolls every election year to keep them, you know, on target. What's so hard about that? Now we're going to insult rural voters just like, you know, minorities felt insulted when it's so hard to get a, a an identification. In every state, even if you're not getting a license, you have the ability to get an ID. We use an ID in every aspect of our life. Now a $25 million plan to target integrity in voting laws. Then you got Texas Democrats flying to Washington to avoid a quorum in Texas on the issue of voter reform led by the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, which is the right thing to do. And by the way, they got on that plane unmasked. How dare they do that? We'll continue. 25 to the top of the hour. Now ask yourself this simple question. If Georgia, I'm sorry, if Delaware has no early in-person voting, 
no drop boxes. You've got to provide an excuse to even get an absentee ballot in the state of Delaware. And they have voter ID laws. How is it Joe Biden is leading the, the, the cry and the cause of voter accessibility and talking extensively about voter suppression? This is what he just said. This year alone, 17 states have enacted, not just proposed, but enacted 28 new laws to make it harder for Americans to vote. Not to mention, and catch this, nearly 400 additional bills Republican members of the state legislatures are trying to pass. The 21st century Jim Crow assault is real. It's unrelenting. And we're going to challenge it vigorously. So he's going to use and politicize his Justice Department when his own state has the most restrictive voting, and Joe has represented Delaware for 500,000 years. Are you kidding me? That's how corrupt, and of course the media mob won't call him out on it. If you know this information, that's because you listen to shows like this or watch Hannity on, on Fox. Now, there's not many places you're, you're realizing that he's just a phony liar because he's never lifted a finger for accessibility and voting for the people of his own home state. And voting accessibility is far greater in Georgia with their new law than the state of Delaware. But yet he's now weaponizing his Justice Department under Merrick Garland to go after the state of Georgia and apparently 17 other states that are trying to ensure integrity in the election process. Now, tell me why. Why would you be against voter ID? Joe's state has had it. All these decades, he's represented Delaware. Why would anyone be against signature verification to make sure that you are the person that you say that you are? Why would people be against if mail-in ballots come in that we have chain of custody controls where both parties get to make sure that there's no tampering with mail-in ballots? Why? What, what's, 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 what's wrong with ensuring integrity and guaranteeing confidence in election results? Why would anyone be against the statutory language that most states have that allow partisan observers to observe the vote count start to finish, which we all know never happened in 2020? The law was violated. You know, why would people be against every voting year updating the voter rolls and making sure that they're they're honest and accurate? Tell me what's wrong with any of those things. Kamala Harris attacking you know, people that live in rural communities. Listen to this. Is agreeing to voter ID one of those compromises that you'd support? I don't think that we should underestimate what that could mean. Because in some people's mind, that means, well, you're going to have to um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people who live in rural communities, who don't, there's no kinkos there's no office max near them people have to understand that when we're talking about voter id laws be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are of course people have to prove who they are but not in a way that makes it them it almost impossible for them to prove who they are they can't go and vote in person and show a license 
They take, can't take a picture on their phone of their license. Well, not everybody has a phone. Oh, maybe we'll bring back the Obama phones. The only reason for Jen Psaki to go out there that the worst challenge to our democracy since the Civil War. 85% of Americans now believe in voter ID laws. The only reason I can think of, especially in light of, of Joe, how do you take him seriously here? Especially because Joe Biden never lifted a finger to increase accessibility in his state, is that Democrats want to maintain the right to, well, let's, let me just put it this way. I can see nothing but nefarious intentions of those that are against simple, basic checks and balances to ensure integrity in the process and confidence in the results. I can't. How many other countries don't have voter ID? Most of them have them. A lot of a lot of places. You know what? What I, I would even argue election day should be one day, but I'm not going to win that battle. But I, but from my point of view, this is a phony issue, and they're going to spend millions of dollars and weaponize and politicize uh, the Justice Department in this process. Why would Merrick Garland attack a state that has more accessibility to voting, Georgia? which lost, what, estimates are $100 million because of Stacey Abrams, Raphael Warnock, and Joe Biden. Then you've got maskless Democrats from Texas in the state legislature. They're flying off to Washington as part of their protest to halt the Texas GOP's efforts to strengthen election safeguards and integrity in the Lone Star State. Why would they do that? Because they don't want the state to have a quorum. It's that simple. Greg Abbott has threatened to arrest Democratic legislators who fled the state. Now, just remember this, you know, because if Republicans in the U.S. Senate, if they walk out, if they're going to try and take away the legislative filibuster and they all walk out united, although I can't speak for Ben Sass, the jackass and, and Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski. But um, they can prevent any bill from even coming up. And he said they'll be arrested upon their return. I guess that's part of Texas's law. I mean, look look at the games that Gavin Newsom is playing. Before the wildfire season and rolling blackout season, he's, he's, he's looking to move up the date of the recall election so those won't be issues in the forefront of people's minds before the election. Gavin Newsom now sending out checks to two-thirds of the population of California. A California judge rejected Newsom's effort to correct uh, the filing papers and list himself as a Democrat. And Newsom had asked the secretary of state to grant lenience after lawyers for the governor failed to list his party preference in responding to the recall as required by California law. Anyway, Newsom required was required to go to court in an effort to be listed as a Democrat. Superior Court of Sacramento County judge refused to allow Newsom to correct the error, noting that they didn't have the legal discretion to allow it. I mean, it just never ends. Now California may expand taxpayer-funded food stamps to illegal immigrants, as well as checks that have been going out. See what's happening here? This this is a non-issue, except 
I guess if you, you know, if you feel that that's the only way you can win. Voter ID, signature verification, chain of custody controls. All, all, all parties get to watch the vote count start to finish. Updated voter rolls. What's wrong with any of this? There's, there isn't anything wrong with any of this. There are reports emerging that big media influencers on social media, members of Congress, that if they don't like comments on the Internet, that these comments are going to be made public. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to have an enemies list. What is, what is that all about? Democrats, why are Democrats, if they care so much about abortion, my question is, um, why do they want taxpayers to pay for it? Why don't they put their money where their mouth is? Because that's their latest push there as well. Anyway, so there's a history of these Democrats running away to deny a quorum in, in Texas. That, that, that's real. Um, we broke a story on Hannity last night, the TV show. Um, I won't give you all the details. I don't want to get innocent people in trouble, but I have sources and my sources tip me off that the United States Olympic Committee had a plan to redesign the American flag on its logo and replace the 50 stars with five new stars and alter the portrayal of the stripes. And on July 6th, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee asked U.S. Olympians and Paralympian associations to fill out an online survey. And one of the items in the survey was a proposed change to the American flag, the stars and stripes to be used on the U.S. OPC uh, materials. Anyway, we reached out. They got back to us and they told us that they'll you know, apparently be no changes to the flag icon for the Japanese or Chinese Olympiads in 2021 and 2022, respectively. And um, my message is stop. You know, they, they were writing, well, it's all part of the creative uh, process. And, and, you know, there's no, no final decision has been made. And I said, well, stop wasting your creative team's time and money by redesigning the American flag because it's an awful idea. Because the stars and stripes should be the only flag that represent this country and our great Olympians and Paralympians. So many amazing athletes and champions that we are also proud of. You know, the amount of dedication and hard work it takes to be a, an Olympic athlete, it's unbelievable. And they represent the United States of America. And we already have our flag. We don't need their redesigned flag. Let's see what happens. But we did get, at least they got back to us, spokesperson telling, telling my team that the committee in the early design stages, brainstorming a variety of concepts with stakeholders, we're in the very early stages of potentially exploring new brand executions for the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. It's common practice in the creative development to share a variety of concepts with stakeholders to elicit reaction and feedback that will then be used to determine the next steps. What was sent to you is just one of dozens of ideas being shared in this brainstorming. Let me put up examples of this. I mean, all of this is like, you know, what has happened to the country? 
You know, I did. I, I was watching. Um, you know, oh, by the way, ESPN has the worst online service imaginable. I don't know if those of you like the UFC like I do. So Conor McGregor was fighting this weekend. I wanted to watch the fight, and to get it, they they make it next to impossible to buy the fight. And then apparently, according to Jason Whitlock, who I happen to like. Great commentator. You know, he pointed out that in the coverage that they did put out, that when Donald Trump walked into the arena in Vegas and chants erupt, erupt USA, 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 apparently he said, he said ESPN ignored the whole thing. Never even mentioned that the former president had entered the building. I mean, um, I guess he entered, and he entered with Dana White. Place went nuts, apparently. Oh, what, 25,000 people strong. And Whitlock said ESPN had waged a, you know, why why would they not mention that's news? People would want to know, why, why are the people now chanting USA, USA, USA? Well, there's an answer to that. Um, We're watching the issue of, you know, the, there was a Chicago rapper uh, and we t- we give you the numbers every week. Most people don't know the names. Shot 64 times as he was being released from jail. That's how bad the lawlessness is on a daily basis out in Chicago. You know, apparently a robber groping and forcibly kissing a tourist through as she's walking to her New York City hotel. You have a major gang war in the in the Bronx of New York, leaving teenagers dead in the streets. Chicago gang members outnumbering cops, according to estimates, 10 to 1 as, as this violence reaches a you know new high. And it's so sad because it's something we already know how to fix it all, but we don't do it. What? And then we don't hear about the names of the people shot or the people shot and killed unless they can politicize it or advance whatever their political agenda happens to be. It's just so sad. Right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. I'm looking at these numbers today, um, and everything I've been warning about now is becoming a reality even faster than I thought it would. Inflation now climbing higher than expected in June. Price uh, index is now 5.4%. Inflation now surging uh, in the at the fastest pace, uh, what, now four months in a row, nearly 13 years, in nearly 13 years, a, a burst is, you know, used cars and vehicles and lumber and food and, and mead and, and basically every product we all buy because of the, you know, extra dollar 25 a gallon you're paying in gasoline, Economists surveyed a warning that we better brace ourselves now for several years of higher inflation, uh, the highest that we have seen in decades. And they're predicting the core inflation index, which excludes food and energy, to average 2.58% annually through 2023, levels not seen since the 80s and 90s, early 90s. Um, The Fed is guessing that that bump won't last, but they've been wrong all all along. Um, there was an art, another article I saw today about uh, Americans see the inflation spike continuing. 
and we're on a path to 70s Jimmy Carter style economy if we're not if we're not careful. And this this is this is real money impacting every American. Inflation fears have now reached another high as these price, consumer prices are surging. Economists are warning this is going to last. It's not just a, a blip here. Um, and, you know, Biden is out there now listening to Bernie Sanders and, and Bernie wants everything he can possibly get a hold of as it relates to reconciliation. The one shot they have at at spending all of our money. Now, you add to that the global tax plan uh, that Biden has been pushing and Janet Yellen has been pushing and Kamala Harris has been pushing. And they want to governments now from 130 countries now are are apparently signing on to this. Ireland had been somewhat resistant. I'm I'm not sure if they're going to hold out. We'll have to wait and see. Um, let me play for you, because I think this is important for you to hear yourself. The top economic for uh, advisor for uh, uh, Biden, Cecilia Rouse, and she's proposing the global minimum corporate tax uh, and Janet Yellen calling for a global minimum corporate tax. Listen. So we don't, of course, we don't want to, uh, to you know, hamper U.S. competitiveness. You know, to the contrary, the idea is to ensure that corporations are paying their fair share, to button up some of the loopholes which have been really not, which have meant that corporations were actually uh, putting more money offshore, um, off of the U.S. soil, um, and having a global minimum tax so that we're working with our trading partners, working with the rest of the world, so that corporations are paying their fair share worldwide. Uh, we do not want to be uh, hampering corporations, but we do want to ensure that they're paying their fair share as well. Recognizing that it's important to work with other countries to end the pressures of tax competition and corporate tax base erosion. We're working with G20 nations to agree to a global minimum corporate tax rate that can stop the race to the bottom. Together, we can use a global minimum tax to make sure the global economy thrives based on a more level playing field in the taxation of multinational corporations and spurs innovation, growth, and prosperity. This is like the corrupt government's uniting socialist utopian pact, if you want my opinion. Steve Moore with us, a member of the the Economic Recovery Task Force of President Trump and David Bonson is back with us, founding and managing partner of Bonson, uh, the Bonson Group. Uh, let me start with you, Steve Moore. First, can you please tell me whether I'm right or wrong? My argument is, for the most part, corporations don't pay taxes. Any increase in the corporate tax, uh, that will result in corporations increasing the prices of their goods or services, and that, that will be passed on to we, the people. Am I right or am I wrong? You're mostly right. We actually found the biggest impact of raising the corporate tax actually was borne by the workers in those companies in terms of lower pay when we raised the corporate tax because the companies just don't have the money to pay their workers. What is really, I mean, I have steam coming out of my ears when I heard that clip that you just played. I mean, we have an American president who is going around the world urging all these other countries to raise their taxes, which is ridiculous. They want to create a, a basically a tax cartel, Sean, so that there's no competition. By the way, these are the people for the last 50 years who said tax rates don't matter. 
right? Now they realize, oh, yeah, people are moving to places with low taxes. That's why people move from New York to Florida, because the taxes are lower. And, and we have, you know, this is the 40-year anniversary of Reagan's famous tax cuts. And when that happened, what it forced other countries to do was cut their taxes, too. That was a good thing. Tax competition is a good thing. It is a race that America is winning, and it is extremely frustrating to me that we now have a president who not only wants to raise American taxes, he wants to get all these other countries to do the same. I love the phrase, a tax cartel. Uh, David Bonson, your reaction to the global tax plan? Or global well, minimum I, tax. I, I agree with Steve entirely, but the thing that is so preposterous to me is that anyone thinks these other countries would comply right. once it became right. once it became in their self interest not to. And so right. and so you know to the extent that uh, these guys say they want to do something to satisfy those people or pacify those people that got all up in arms about globalization. This is not the way to do it. The idea of creating a global tax cartel is playing right into the hands of people who have the fear about these kinds of things taking place. There is no reason for countries to get the permission of other countries in the way that they tax their own people. Uh, They should be operating in their own self-interest, and we should be operating in our own self-interest. And that's exactly what we should have. Yeah, we should be the tax haven. But anyway, Steve, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I just, this is really important. You know, the left always thinks that we're being paranoid about global government. This is a big, big step towards global government, Sean. If you actually have a uniform tax system around the world. Now, the reason Ireland doesn't want to comply with this is Ireland has gotten rich over the last 30 years by having the lowest corporate tax rate in the world. They're at 12.5%. All these other countries like the U.S. are at 25%. Why would Ireland want to go for that? Now, the Europeans are really going to strong-arm the Irish to try to, uh, to force them to raise their taxes. Well, I, I, and I don't think the Irish should raise their taxes. I don't if, either. If 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 my if the if we're all watching the same thing and interpreting it the same way, and that is, why are people leaving New York? Why are they leaving New Jersey? Why are they leaving Illinois and California? Because of high taxes, burdensome regulation, uh, a government, you know, a, just a government confiscation of pretty much anything they can get their hands on. What would stop? corporations, because there's always going to be tax haven countries. I guess I assume if, if this is going to be a cartel and and this is they're all going to join together, I guess they would try to uh, agree to penalize any country that is a tax haven. But I'm not sure they're even able to stop that. Um, Steve uh, Moore. Well, the, what's really, really um, insidious about this is the United States has been leading the world for the last you know, 40 years in terms of lowering our tax rates. It's the reason we've had the best stock market, the best job creation. And this really was the center of the Reagan revolution is keep taxes low. It disciplines government. If you have one universal global tax, what do you think they're going to do? Trying to keep raising that tax. Well, of course. So if it starts at 15%, but America is now talking about, you know, going from what, 23% or whatever we're at, we're at now. Uh, 28%, David. Okay, well, the 15% doesn't even make us competitive in the in the international marketplace. So now the question is, what, are we going to push it to 28%? And meanwhile, they're even talking about numbers as high as, you know, 40% or capital gains taxes. And are they going to do this, David Bonson, uh, retroactively, even though it's now July 13th? 
Yeah, I mean, they're not. This stuff, that's one of the reasons the market has performed so well this year. And, and I think more and more people have seen that they don't have the legislative ability to get this done. That capital gain tax is not going to 43%. Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema are not going to do it. And you're not going to get four or five Democrats in the House to go along and play political suicide with this kind of thing. Uh, the, the corporate tax rate, though, matters because of global competitiveness, and it matters based on where you want to promote investment, which is where you get growth and productivity. This is the part that they miss. This is the part where I feel like people like Janet Yellen, who's an intelligent woman but ideologically challenged, is failing to understand the incentive structure necessary to promote competitive growth. We continue our discussion over the economy with Steve Moore and David Bonson. Let me ask both of you, let me, let me take you on a different turn here. Uh, as we see government now wanting to put their, their fingerprints all over and, uh, and regulate cryptocurrencies, I guess like Bitcoin and Dogecoin and, and Ethereum, et cetera, et cetera. What do you see as the future, Steve Moore, for cryptocurrency? Well, let me just say one other quick thing on the tax issue, Sean, because this is an issue I hope you'll be all over. One of the worst ideas in the so-called bipartisan infrastructure bill is to double by $40 billion a year the IRS, and I'll have 80 thousand, 80,000 more IRS agents. We learned what happened with Lois Lerner, right? When they went after every conservative donor and conservative, uh, you know, uh, group when, uh, when Obama was president. Can you imagine the damage that Biden can do with 80,000 more IRS agents? So I'm going to let, I'm going to let David answer your question about the cryptos. What do you think on the crypto, David? Well, I appreciate Steve letting me be the one who's going to get in trouble from all the listeners because I'm not a big crypto guy, but it's not because I want the government regulating anything. It's because right. I, don't think, I don't think it's a stable medium of value. It's going up and down 50, 60, 70 percent. We can say all the things we want about the dollar when it goes down 2 or 3 percent, but Bitcoin can go down 30 percent when Elon Musk tweets something. And I just think that overall government regulation is the least of crypto's problems these days. Do you see a future for it? I see, I see a future, but not becoming a substitute currency. I, I, unfortunately, right now, Sean, the number one use of it is in ranked criminality. It is in people like the colonial ransom hackers using it to extort a ransom and things like that. It needs to get more mainstream use, and it can't get more mainstream use when it's going up and down by 50% because of speculation. So I think blockchain has a huge use, but as far as crypto becoming a dollar substitute, I'm very skeptical. And your thoughts, Steve, now you are, I am putting you on the spot. <laughs> Uh, I, I agree with what David said, except I'll just make one additional comment. I think that the big uh, allure of cryptocurrencies is that they're not run by government. They're not operated by government. And that's what is, makes them so attractive. And it doesn't mean you're a criminal, you know, because you want to use a crypto. It just means you want your financial privacy. And when you've got governments all over the world, Sean, borrowing not just the United States, but all the European countries and the Asian countries borrowing trillions and trillions of dollars that depreciates the value of these currencies. And it's one of the reasons, in my opinion, people are looking for private alternatives. And I think it's a it's a it's a great thing that we have. Uh, that's another way. We're I mean, that was my initial in interpretation that it was maybe going to be used by the underworld. But there's going to be some type of, of regulation. I mean, if people are stupid enough 
if they make money on crypto, if they're buying or selling or day trading, whatever they happen to be doing with these with these varying uh, currencies, and, and they tried not to report it to the IRS, they're just being stupid. I mean, if you don't pay your taxes, you're dumb. Whether you like the laws or don't like the laws, they're going to get you. And you're right. They're going to they're going to be, you know, the IRS lowest learners, just the tip of the iceberg based on the numbers we're talking about of them adding to the IRS. I'll tell you, I agree about the, the point Steve makes on enforcement. I don't believe that there is that kind of problem. Uh, I don't think that they have uncollected taxes at that level. First of all, if they knew they did, why would they be uncollected? Okay, they're speculating. And, and when they do dig into it, they're going to find out it's legal avoidance of tax. And you can add 400,000 IRS agents. You can't go get people to pay taxes that they're avoiding legally. So they need to get a tax code, oh, it, like Steve Forbes yeah. suggested years ago, that is simple enough yeah. that people want to pay it the right way. Well, uh, That is absolutely true. Because you know what? I guarantee you the Mark Zuckerbergs and the Warren Buffets are going to have better you know, tax accountants than the IRS is. They're coming after Sean Yu and me and David and people with conservative viewpoints. We know this because this is they're going to weaponize. Oh, I just assume my, my taxes are pulled every year. And, and now I have my taxes done by a great firm. Then I have them checked and double checked by another firm. That, that's how careful I am with my taxes. Uh, because it sadly, all of this is politicized. It's it's sad. It's pathetic, actually, and it's not the country that I, I thought we were living in. Uh, Steve Moore, thank you. David Bonson, thank you. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, our number. We'll get to your calls. Other side of the break. Quick break. Right back. All right, twenty five to the top of the hour. As promised to our busy phones. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? Uh, Jamie's in Florida. Jamie's a lot smarter than all of us up in New York, but Jamie, I am happy for you and can't wait to join you. What's going on? Hi, Sean. Hey, um, I was vaccinated a couple months ago, and when I recently went to my doctor's, I Do you mind if I ask what vaccine you got? uh, Johnson & Johnson. I just tried to say traditional. And, mm -hmm. And when I asked the doctor, do you need the record, you know, to put into my file there, uh, her response was, no, don't worry about it. They'll send it to us. And I really thought that was odd. And after I got home, I started doing a little investigation and I found out that this stuff is just going through the information highway out there via a company that utilizes our records through the insurance companies. And, um, I was just wondering if you have heard anything. Listen, I, I worry a lot about medical privacy now. Um, and, you know, I'm watching all these stories. You know, now the Biden administration is supporting uh, local mandates on coronaviruses. Well, what about people that had COVID? The Cleveland Clinic, following the science, said that if you had COVID-19, that you don't need any shot. And, and this is right. why I was I, I refuse to tell people what to do with their health. Take it seriously. I, I, I mean, this is life and death for some people. Take it seriously. Do your research. Talk to your doctor. Um, I don't like a lot of this. I but I I, I want people to be smart. I want my audience to be the most informed I want you to take this thing seriously. I want you to really do a deep dive and investigate. We've put in, we've put on doctors 
from all varying points of view. We've talked about therapeutics, Regeneron, Ivermectin, HCQ, and and others. Um, and and I think we are being responsible. You know, all these people out there, you must tell people, I'm not a doctor. I don't know about your medical condition. But anyway, Jamie, are you afraid that this is going to be made public one day? Is that the your fear? Oh, absolutely. I, I feel it's just the beginnings of, you know, um, this information highway that's out there. And it's just a matter of time until this information is used against us in exactly what you were stating. It's very scary to me, and I'm just an average person, and I like my privacy, and people need to wake up. And Well, if this- Joe keeps letting the Russians, you know, uh, hack us every day or every other week, yeah, that's probably the next thing. Everyone's, you know, medical privacy records, they, they'll no longer exist. They're going to be all made public. Um, right. I listen, I, I've lived through a lot of this, and it's not fun to have your privacy invaded. Um, I didn't really, you know, like it when 1,300 private text messages of mine were made public. But that happened to me in terms of my private text messages with Paul Manafort. I didn't like it that the FBI had made public 302s where they're asking ridiculous questions about me um, as it related to the Russia, Russia, Russia. Because they didn't what? They didn't like that I was doing a deep dive investigation into them? And then they release it publicly. I didn't make that big a deal on the air about it because I figured, what's the point? I mean, by by that point, you know, the the ship had sailed. Uh, It was out there. Uh, I know for a fact that a lot of us that were involved in exposing this abuse of power and corruption and the dirty dossier and, and premeditated fraud on the FISA courts, that we were unmasked. I know that happened, too. I got phone calls telling me this. It's not fun to have your privacy invaded. That's that is critical to American life and a, and a principle we ought to hold dearly. Anyway, Jamie, hang in there. Appreciate you being with us. Tim is in North Carolina. What's up, Tim? Glad you called. Hey, Sean. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you, sir. Sean, uh, I, I believe I don't know exactly what we can do, but we definitely need the Republicans to grow a backbone. Uh, they need to stand up and fight for us. Um, instead of just getting all the money and, and everything that they're there to to try to grab as much as they can with power and everything else, we need those guys to grab a backbone and, and stand up to Biden and Kamala and all these people and stop what's going on. Everybody talks about 2022, 2022. If things keep going the way they are, we're not going to have a country in 2022. We're going to get overrun by illegal. Well, look, let me let me give you a little bit of hope. The number one, I've talked about three separate steps here. One is ensuring election integrity and having confidence in results. Seventeen states now are in the process of reforming their election laws to to have voter ID and signature verification and chain of custody controls. And and partisan observers having the right to observe and and making sure the 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 voter rolls are updated every two, four years. That's happening. That That's a good thing that's happening. Number two, everything they're trying to do, they're not so far able to accomplish, which is why Bernie is pushing Biden so hard. 
to do everything through reconciliation. Basically, the entire Bernie uh, Biden manifesto, the new Green Deal manifesto. And so that's something that uh, I don't know how much control we will have. It's it's far more difficult, uh, at least according to the the parliamentarian in the Senate, that it may not be as easy as as liberal Democrats think. And the next thing we got to do is, well, you know, just tell, you know, everyone just has to open their eyes to what's happening with our borders, what's happening in China and Iran and Russia and around the world. I think the Biden crime syndicate family is going to be blown wide open in fairly short order. I think it, it is now inevitable, having been briefed by people that have the laptop. Um, I think we look at our borders. We look at the higher cost of energy because of Joe. We look at record inflation. We look at draconian shutdowns that Joe is still supporting and end of medical privacy that he's supporting. And and I'm just telling you, I, I think the American people already see and feel the difference of of what it means to elect radical socialists. And I don't think they like it. And I think people, given the choice between Donald Trump's horrible tweeting that so offended them and the mess that Joe's creating pretty much everywhere, I think they'll they'll choose the tweets and a president that's strong and that leads and keeps his promises. But we'll all have a choice in November of 2022 and 2024. And that's when it's going to matter. Tony is in Iowa. Tony, you're on the Sean Hannity show. Glad you called. Hey, Sean and Linda, thanks for the take. Uh, one thing the last several years have taught me is that it seems like whatever uh, Democrats are accusing other people of doing so loudly is exactly what they're up to. And I'm recently reminded of the the Flynn fiasco and how they dug into that and found some transcripts where uh, Obama and Biden, they're in the transcripts, and, uh, and Joe says, well, how about the Logan Act, you know, as a, a way to, to bust Flynn? That was in um, that meeting in the Oval Office with Obama, correct? Right, while he was in office. And it, it kind of seems like everything that's coming out with uh, Hunter's laptop, you know, and all of the associations, so to speak, that that's kind of exactly what he was doing by proxy, is kind of, you know, having contact with uh, foreign entities for whatever reason. Um, you know, so I don't know. You think we should put Swalwell or, uh, or Schiff on it or... <laughs> That's a joke. No, well, the they're not going to be consistent. Look, the, the Logan Act, they've never successfully prosecuted anybody with it since, what, 1799? I mean, this this is stupidity. Uh, General Flynn talking to his soon-to-be counterpart when he's becoming the NSA director, he did nothing wrong. And, and it's sad what innocent people were put through, and I don't care if it's Papadopoulos, Manafort, Roger Stone, I mean, all of the people that, that we followed so closely during this process, while exactly. simultaneously the ignoring the real abuse of power, the real Russian disinformation and that impacted 2016, the premeditated fraud on the FISA court. None of these people have been held accountable. By the way, anybody, has there been a Durham sighting by any American recently? Where's Durham? What a waste yeah. of what a despicable display of a very poor prosecution, you know, of uh, he had a roadmap handed to him by the inspector general. And still, we don't know a thing about what he's doing. So, Sean, the, the point being is that since uh, that Logan Act was so quick 
off of Biden's lips and that pattern of where they just love to try to prosecute people for the exact thing that they happen to be up to at the time. I mean, do you see that as uh, extraordinary coincidence or do you think this might actually have some legs? I think the biggest problem for Joe Biden right now is going to end up being Hunter Biden. I mean, is, is it is Hunter's business dealings with Russia? Is that the real reason why Joe Biden gave a waiver to Vladimir Putin to build a a, a, a pi- energy pipeline while canceling simultaneously our Keystone XL pipeline? Because it certainly looks like it. I don't see Joe taking a st- tough stand against the Chinese that are now talking about reunification with Taiwan that are threatening American military bases in the in and around the China Sea and in Japan. Um, I don't see Joe saying a word. I don't see any consequences for Vladimir either as it relates to all the hacking that's taken place from Russian hackers. And I'm no, suspecting here that, you know, if it was Donald Trump, we probably would think that there's likely been the, the Biden family's likely compromised. It's not like, you know, Hunter uh, was living a pristine life at the time. Amazing, you know, if you last, you have the right last name and the right connections, man, you can make millions. Pretty good deal. Quick break. We'll come back. More of your calls on the other side. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, we'll get an update on this vaccine mandate that has so many people worked up with Congressman Andy Biggs uh, and door-to-door checks. I don't think this is a good idea. I'll tell you why on the other side. All right, back to our busy phones. Let's say hi to Chris in Michigan. Chris, you're next on the Sean Hannity Show. Glad you called. Hi, Sean. Can you hear me okay? I hear you great. Thank you. All right, great. I wish I had Donald Trump that I could call to come to Michigan to help us with these large hospitals who are mandating the vaccination or they're terminating staff. And I've been a nurse for over 30 years, and this should raise awareness and be concerning to every person in the United States. Um, fabulous staff are leaving and choosing not to do this and, um, or being terminated. And as a medical professional, we're always taught to question, to challenge, to ask those, those questions when we take care of patients. We're advocates. Let me ask and you a quick question, because just for the constraints nothing. of time. Um, did you work all throughout the pandemic? Yes, I did. And I actually was tasked with a testing COVID center that I ran the whole year, in addition to my 85 direct reports in the hospital. So you I put yourself in harm's that. way every day throughout the entire every pandemic. Day. I uh, 153 mm-hmm. um, hospital workers in Houston were fired. I interviewed one nurse and her attorney on on Hannity, the TV show. She was fired, like like you're describing, and she even had COVID. And the Cleveland Clinic, if we're following the science, says if you had it, if you contracted it, and you survived it then you don't need any vaccine. That's what the science says. And the idea that the people that put their, excuse my jargon, put their ass on the line every day, risk their own health to help others, that they would be fired for making their personal medical decision based on their unique medical history in consultation with their doctors is outrageous. And I think that I would I would get together with any any other people in your circumstance. I would hire the best attorney in town and I would sue that hospital for everything you can get. 
There's several po- protests planned across the state, um, but and they have you can file for medical waivers, but most of the physicians are choosing not to do that. So I'm assuming there's a financial gain here, um, and it's just. I will be terminated because I'm not getting it, and I'm dedicated. We're all dedicated, and it's. I I wish we had some more support. We've got protests planned. Um, I don't know if you have a contact person. We have a Democratic governor. We have media that's completely biased. I so think you, the, the, your public. your answer right now is not media because that that's meaningless. I, although it could be helpful. We might, um, we'll take your number. We might put you, tell your story on Hannity. Get the best lawyer you can find that will handle this case for you. That, that's my best advice. But stay on the line. Um, I think we'll, we might do a segment on this on TV again. If you don't mind, we'd love to have you. Quick break. Right back. Up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. All right, News Roundup, Information Overload, our Sean Hannity show. Um, A lot of you are are calling and writing. More and more people are every day uh, very, very concerned, and rightly so, about what's happening. I mentioned earlier in the program these mandates. We know that now, for example, that they're they're forcing more and more people and more and more industries to uh, to get the jab, to get the shot. The White House openly supporting vaccine mandates by the private sector and and universities and and other uh, private sector entities. And it's really a backdoor way of mandatory vaccination, but they just don't want to come out and be honest and say it. Now, I'm against mandatory vaccinations for a lot of different reasons. First and foremost, I believe that that in medical freedom. You know, what was the right to choose all about? Something no Democrat ever gave this country. If if all else fails and you have a certain disease or a certain condition, Donald Trump said you, you ought to have the right to try any new pot- uh, therapy that maybe shows any potential whatsoever because it's your body, your choice. I thought we heard, heard that from liberals all the time, a right to choose. Well, they're not really for right to choose on the Second Amendment. They're not for right to choose in terms of medical health decisions. You know, the idea that the that so many people feel it is within their scope as non-medical professionals to tell people what to do, to me, is breathtaking. I stand by what I say. Take this virus seriously. You got the two new variants. You got the Delta variant. You have the new uh, variant from Peru that we spent a lot of time talking about. And I've told everybody, you've, you have got to consult first of all do your own research and read a lot you know there's more information available at your fingertips if you have a telephone than you you could ever imagine take the time it's your health it's your life read research and and then you've got to talk to your doctor or doctors then you got to talk to medical professionals that you believe in and trust and then based on your unique health situation, whatever your condition might be, or, you know, your health status may be, you might have immunocompromised this or that, then you got to make a decision. And I hope you make the right decision for you. Now, if the decision is not to get vaccinated, then I would ask you, you know, to do the right thing and be respectful of older people and et cetera, et cetera. You can keep your wearing your mask if you want and socially distance from others. 
Um, you don't want to get other people sick. But but we were told that if you got the vaccine, you didn't have to worry about what other people did. Now they're talking about going door to door and vaccinating people. But it's, you know, whatever happened to the idea of medical privacy? And I, I love the fact that everybody can play doctor and tell everybody else what to do medically. I'm, I'm telling you that this is serious. This can kill you. Take it seriously. Do your research. Talk to your doctor, doctors. Based on your unique medical history, you decide. Anyway, now we have Biden out there saying that, well, now we're going to be knocking on people's doors to get people vaccinated. And and Javier uh, uh, Becerra is out there, the Health and Human Services Secretary, saying it's it's the government's business to keep people alive and, and their right to know. Well, we have to we have to register with the government now, whether we've been vaccinated or not. Uh, or about Biden COVID advisor, Jeffrey Zients, who says we'll go community by community to vaccinate people. Anyway, let's listen to them. We are continuing to wind down the mass vaccination sites that did so much in the spring to rapidly vaccinate those eager to get their first shot and their second shot, for that matter, if they needed a second. Now we need to go to community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door to door, literally knocking on doors to get help to the remaining people protected from the virus. I wonder if you can answer that criticism it's none of the government's business knowing who has or hasn't been vaccinated what do you say brianna uh, perhaps uh, we should point out that the federal government has had to spend trillions of dollars to try to keep americans alive during this pandemic so it is absolutely the government government's business it is taxpayers business if we have to continue to spend money to try to keep people from contracting covid and, and helping reopen the economy. And so it is our business to try to make sure Americans can prosper, Americans can freely associate. And knocking on a door has never been against the law. You don't have to answer, but we hope you do, because if you haven't been vaccinated, we can help help dispel some of those rumors that you've heard and hopefully get you vaccinated. And those who are not fully vaccinated are not protected. So every individual that we vaccinate is a step forward and across the summer months, we'll vaccinate millions more individuals. As the president said, we will do this by going community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, person by person, by partnering with local leaders, governors, mayors, doctors, school administrators, employers, faith leaders, and community organizers, leaders that people know and trust, one shot at a time, one person at a time. This would eliminate any sense of medical privacy or choice of the American people. Um, and and it would destroy patient, the confidentiality, doctor-patient confidentiality. And uh, anyway, joining us is Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona. Uh, he's taken on the White House on these vaccine mandates, reminding people that we live in a free country. At the end of the day, Congressman, weren't we told that if if you got the vaccine, if you choose to get the vaccine, that you don't really have to worry about what other people do? Weren't we told that? Yes, we were, Sean. We are told that, that you're going to be uh, able to go out and live your life normally. Remember the promise you can even have a barbecue on January, July 4th if you get the vaccine and say so you don't have to worry about it. But uh, but now we see an expansion of the surveillance state this uh, uh, this intrusion into your lives that go to your most the place 
that most people view as their sacred private place is their home. They're going to go rapping on your door, and they're going to ask you what most people view. They, vote, they view their religion, their, their money, and their health issues as their most private information. They're going to go there and try to find out whether you've been vaccinated. And the purpose is, of course, if you haven't, they're going to uh, ostracize you. They're going to limit your ability to travel, your ability to work. I, I just got a text right before I came on with you from somebody who's being told they can't work if they don't get a vaccine. These, this violation of your of your privacy rights is even worse than the uh, the cameras everywhere where they used to, to recognize your face. I put on many, many medical professionals with varying points of view on this program as it relates to therapeutics and the virus and and the vaccines and et cetera. Many people, even people that, that I at times even disagree with, but just to help people get, get information that is valuable to them. Um, and I've asked many doctors, are there certain patients you would not recommend for whatever reason, whatever health condition they may have, n- that they not get the vaccine? And I've had a vast majority of doctors say, yeah, there are certain people we tell them not to get the vaccine. Um, but what, now we're going to listen to Dr. Joe uh, and Dr. Kamala Harris and, and Dr. Government Official and, and the flip-flopping Dr. Fauci and, and make our decision based on them. Now, I'm urging people to take this seriously. I do believe in vaccines. I have no problem with people, though, disagreeing with me. I believe in freedom also, Congressman, and in this process, it seems that they want to remove the choice and the freedom of the American people to make their health decisions based on their private medical history and their confidential doctor-patient relationship. Well, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, we, um, as Americans, have always believed that Freedom comes with risk. We all we all assess risks every day. We're adults, um, and uh, we assess risk and to say, well, I should do this or I shouldn't do that. There's going to be bad consequences or good consequences. But but we also recognize that you and I have very different um, uh, health needs, and uh, so my body's different than yours. And my doctor, yeah, I'm in much better shape than you are by far. I'm in yeah. much better shape. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I hear, Sean. That's what I hear. No. But the point is, your doctor is going to give you probably a different regimen than my doctor would give me on, on whether it's even getting a vaccine or whatever. And someone knocking on your door has no idea unless they pry into your past and uh, in your medical history. And I just wonder, is there, are they creating a database? Are they going off of databases that they already have? Uh, how is this going to work? And it's just... Uh, it's really violative of of uh, of who we are, and as you say, our our de- determination of how we want to get our medical care. So, how does this stop? How do Republicans say enough is enough? Because look, at, at some point, we, we we hit the saturation point. Everybody knew about masks. Everybody knew about social distancing. I think we're well past the point of everybody knowing that. The three different varying vaccines are readily available pretty much anywhere at any time you want it. And I, I, I don't think we're going door to door is going to change people's minds at this point. Um, well, you know, if you wanted to go down to your local pharmacy, you could probably get a vaccine wherever you live now in the United States, at least. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, it's, it's widely available. I mean, you can't drive in my home state 
without seeing the, the, those uh, nuisance nanny state signs to go get a vaccine. I mean, they're everywhere, and uh, and vaccines are widely available. And there's, I would I would hesitate to say that there's more than uh, just a few a few hundred, few thousand people that don't know about them in this country, but. This this notion that they it, it gets beyond the vaccine, in my opinion, Sean. This is another effort to control the population and to intrude in their lives, and 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 that's really the problem. I mean, you you identified it when you talked about the, uh, you know your healthcare freedom and and risk taking and whatnot. I think that that's where they're going. I think it's well beyond uh, just wanting to get vaccines. So so you're you're healthful. You know, I, uh, I, quick break. We'll come back more with uh, Congressman Andy Biggs. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean is our number. We'll get to your phones for the final half hour of the program today. Uh, now, by the way, is the perfect time to take advantage of record low mortgage rates before they are gone. We'll likely never see these rates again in our life. That's my prediction. I I don't know for sure, but that's my best guess. And as we continue, Congressman Andy Biggs now fighting back against the White House and their vaccine mandates, among other things. If you're like me, I, I have a lot of friends and I've, I have I would say the majority of my friends have gotten vaccinated. And but I have many friends that have decided not to get the vaccine. And I've asked every one of them why. And, I, and what I found in every case was an extraordinarily well-researched answer. Whether I agree with it or not, that's not the point. They knew everything about the vaccines. They know that Pfizer, Moderna is an mRNA vaccine. I mean, they, they, they were armed with, a, with information at a very high level. They didn't make their decision haphazardly. They spent a lot of time researching whether they wanted to get it, and, and they made their ultimate decision. And I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to try and talk them out of it. And we just have a discussion about it. But they didn't. I didn't have one person that didn't get the vaccine say to me, yeah, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't feel like it. I never got that answer. I got a very well-informed answer every single time. Whether I agree with it or not, it's, it's irrelevant. Yeah, that's my experience as well. Now, I... I'm not as in shape as you, and I don't have as many friends as you, but I will say that a few friends that I have, and they really, they've been well-reasoned. They've done their homework. Some of them have said, well, I've talked to my doctor. They, they think I shouldn't. So, you know, and frankly, I always think, well, it's, it's a personal decision. It's personal decision because we've been told, like you say, we've been told if you have the vaccine, you don't need to worry. Although Fauci is now saying you need to go back to three or four masks, apparently, or something. I don't know what he's thinking, but the, the reality is, uh, people get themselves informed on health issues um, remarkably uh, thoroughly because because it's their health. And that's that's probably job one is they want to be healthy. Then they want to have enough money to enjoy their good health. That's that's really where we are. And um, I think it's it's this President Biden and stepping into this this morass. And I think he probably said something he didn't mean to say. And next thing you know, it's official policy. And uh, we've got. No, I think he probably did mean it. That's the point. I mean, with them giving the nod and the okay, uh, meaning the White House for for mandated vaccines and by private sector entities, meaning companies and universities, and the fact that they're supporting vaccine mandates and allowing it means that they really support it. They just don't want to take the brunt of criticism for it. 
Yeah, well, you're probably right, because I've been saying for some time this is turning into a neo-fascist of, uh, uh, governance by, by uh, this administration. So I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, and the reality is, again, why do they want this? Uh, I would suggest it's control um, more than uh, concern about your public health. All right, we appreciate your time. We'll watch this very closely in Congress. 800-941-SEAN, our number. Andy Biggs, Congressman, Arizona. Thanks for being with us. Quick break, right back. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. You know what we're not doing enough of lately? Nobody's had time to laugh. It's at least, uh, what's that guy's name that does the Daily Show now that John Stewart has gone? Trevor, Trevor Noah? Did you see the piece that he did on me? It was, it was actually pretty funny. Well, I don't even think he was doing the show that night, but they did like a best of Hannity. Hannity in 2001, Hannity now, you know. I was impressed took... he knew who you were. It was very impressive. <laughs> no, they, they remember, remember, they're still hating Trump through me. So the, there's, This there's is always... true. It is vicarious hatred. You're right. It's vicarious hatred. Exactly. And and it, But it was funny. I said, you know, at least they're trying. At least they put effort in. Well, he's not funny, so he's got to use you to be funny, I guess. He's well, the thing, well, and Sweet Baby James actually got a real big chuckle at it. He kept trying to get me to watch it, and finally I just decided to watch the stupid thing, and I, uh, I, I started to laugh. I said, oh, maybe we can be funny again. I miss John uh, which, Stewart. Which made me think of my good friend Larry the Cable Guy. I don't know what the hell he's been doing throughout this whole pandemic. All I know is that a video emerges of him uh, t- playing golf and making a chip shot uh, onto the green, and it and it goes right in the hole in the third round of the American uh, Century Championship, which he never invited me to. We put it up on uh, our page, Hannity.com. It's on Hannity.com or on Rumble on Sean Hannity's page. Um, but, I mean, it's pretty funny. Listen. As we go to the ninth now, and Larry the Cable Guy. Oh, that's nice. What a nice shot. Look at Larry. Go in. Get in. That is the epitome of getting her dead. What a shot. Told you, man. He told us earlier, I'm hitting the ball well, just not making any putts. Guess what? Don't pull the putter out of your bag, Larry. Get her done. Larry the Cable Guy. What have you been... I haven't talked to you in, in, what, three years? It's been way too long. How are you, my friend? Well, Sean, I'm doing good. First of all, thanks for having me on. Who who canceled? <laughs> so shut up. Listen, you're out <laughs> playing golf every day. I mean, you haven't... When's the last time you've been on stage? Although you might have been on stage more recently. How long were you off stage? Uh, well... Let's see, uh, about 18 months, which still wasn't wow. as long as I've gone wearing the same pair of sweatpants. So, oh man, wasn't that big of a deal? Oh man, yeah, really? That, that's a time is time is flying, Sean. It seems like almost yesterday I was knocking down a couple of women trying to get to the last toilet paper roll. <laughs> what did you have? Your mom's sloppy joes again? We're starting to. Starting to get out there, do some work, but I've been playing a bunch of golf tournaments. I love golf and that American Century Classic uh, tournament out there. The celebrity they do such good work, and that uh, organization is well. Where's the Where's the golf tournament? Billion, well, well, one point nine billion dollars to cancer research. It's unbelievable. Oh, really? Where's Where's the golf tournament? It was in Lake Tahoe. 
Wow. And uh, we do it every every year in July, and we go out there and, and play golf and raise some money. It's a, it's a real good time, man. We enjoy it. So but let me ask you, so lucky, what's your handicap? Are you a good enough. golfer? Are you a good golfer? Well, let's put it this way. I've been playing golf in these tournaments, and uh, I think uh, I have won a total in the last seven years, $1,200 playing golf. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't feed my family on it. Let's put it that way. But but I enjoy doing it. It's relaxing. I told my wife, I said, you know what? I'm going to pick up golf. I'll get out there and I'll walk golf courses and I'll lose weight. And so right. far, I'm up 35 pounds and down uh, $67,000. So it's not working. Oh, well, wait a minute. Do, do you walk the course or do you drive the, the beer car? No, we walk the courses, Sean. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. We, we walk the golf courses. Hey, I hold the. Uh, I got a couple of records in golf. I'm the only guy in golf to appear on Golf Channel and Court TV on the same day. No way. How's that? So, so that's pretty good. Well, for hitting somebody. <laughs> 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 but I have. But I'll be honest. I haven't hit somebody in a couple of years. So, so that's pretty yeah. good. All right. So, but what's your real? What do you think your real handicap is, though? I want to know. Uh, myself. <laughs> That's um, probably true. So you're really not no, a I'm good a, golfer. Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm a, no, Sean, I'm getting better. I'm a 13 handicap. I'm getting That's much not bad. better. Not bad. Oh, they asked me the other day, they said, uh, what's the longest? They had a long drive competition. They said, what's the longest drive you ever had? And I said, it was the drive home after I shot a 115. <laughs> oh, man. a one fi- You shot a 115. How do you shoot a 115? Yeah, that was back in the day. I'm, I'm averaging. Every time I go out to golf now, I'm in between uh, anywhere from a uh, 82 to a 90. So that's about a 13 oh, handicap. That, that that's solid, solid, good golf. You know, you're you're like a good average golfer. When I used to play, I'll tell you what made me quit playing is is when Donald Trump became president. Things I I just been working too hard, and I just yeah, I, I never. You I didn't, didn't have the time to play anymore. Here's the thing I liked about golf, though, during what was going on. I found the best places to social distance was on the golf course or at the gluten-free section of Golden Corral. Both of those had nobody on them, so it was nice. You you like that. Now, let's, let me ask you this. Now, do you like that... Um... Uh, do you like that you get to, when you're playing golf, you're, well, number one, you're doing it for charity, which is pretty cool, but, but you, you like being out in the fresh air. I mean, like, who have you played Absolutely. golf with? What celebrities have you played with? Oh, my gosh. I played with a ton of them. And, and the cool thing for me in these celebrity golf tournaments now during the, well, the year that we're living in, 2021, and all the messed up stuff going on, I actually identify as an A-lister now. So... <laughs> I can uh, golf with a lot of the bigger, golf with a lot of the bigger people. You've always been an A lister. At, at the American Century, I went out with the first round. I I went out with Charles Barkley and Rob Riggle, and Barkley is a buddy, and we have such a good time golfing. I was with him the day that he hit a worm burner and uh, hit a hit a uh, duck and oh, no. killed a duck. Oh no. <laughs> We always got that to talk about, but that was the first. The first day I went out with those two. The second day, I went out with uh, Marcus Allen, who I met do at golf courses, and he's a good friend, and I love golfing with him. And the coach of the Titans, Mike Vrabel, who's awesome. That was my second one. In my third round, 
I was out with Kira Dixon, uh, the former Miss America, and Demarcus Ware. And we had, they were with me when I did the chip in, and Demarcus Ware gave me a high five, about broke my wrist, guy so big. <laughs> we have a good time. These are great. And I just, I got into golf because, uh, you know, everybody has charity events around golf, and I never knew how to golf. And I learned how to golf, and I really enjoyed it. And I don't think a lot of people know, but the PGA and the LPGA, they have these tournaments. And, man, they raise golf is one of the biggest fundraisers for local charities in their oh, areas. And it's just fun to be able to go and participate and make people laugh and and uh, do some good things. But I'll tell you so, what I like So about I actually well. got to tell you a story. So yeah. Geraldo had his charity golf tournament and is at a local club in Long Island. And he asked me if I'd come out and hit the first ball out. And I'm like, all right, but I, I need to go to the range first because I haven't hit a ball in three years. And so I pull up at the range and the entire golf tournament is is congregating right there at the range. And so the first ball I'm about to hit out is the ball. I hadn't hit a ball in, in three years. I'm like, Oh no, this is going to be a disaster. I'm like, all right, let me, let me, let me lock my legs, my feet in. Let me swing easy. Don't try and crush it. Don't try and kill it. And sure enough, I swear and it's on videotape. I hit it straight down the middle, about 265, right down the pike. I couldn't believe it. Nobody was more shocked than me. Another guy goes, can you do that again? And I said, no, I'm not trying either. That was my shot of the day. I'm out of here. Um, and it was yeah, it, it's nerve it's nerve wracking. You know, you do these golf tournaments, and you're not a professional golfer, but you enjoy it. And they got people lining the fairways. I mean, it gives you the jitters. I was at Pebble Beach, of course, not last year. They didn't have it, but the year before, and Toby Keith, we, we he was he's a good golfer, and he got over wow. that ball to put his ball on the tee, and was shaking and couldn't get it on. Finally, got it on. He's a good golfer, and he sends it right into the crowd. <laughs> I mean, that first shot, I would rather perform a piece of cake. I can go on stage in front of 12,000 people and not hesitate, but hitting a tee shot in front of a bunch of people watching you golf is the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever done. That's, that, that That is hilarious. So tell me more about, like, what's going on with your professional life. When are you, when are you going back out on tour? Um, I, I can't wait to go back out and see you again. Um, I love the shows when I go to them. Uh, you're so much fun to watch. You, you, you're entertaining as hell. Uh, I gotta believe you've been writing the whole time. When are you? Uh, when are you heading back on the road? Well, I appreciate it, Sean. You know, before the pandemic started, I was fortunate enough to have already taped a special that aired in April of 2020, and it was or in February of 2020, and uh, a lot of people got to see. That's the best time to see me when you're locked in and you have to watch. Me. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. There's nothing else to watch. I had that out, but. But I'll say, you know, I've got kids that are 13 and 14, and Jeff Fox really told me a long time ago, if you don't need to travel and uh, you can do it per periodically and make your own schedule, don't miss your kids growing up. And for the last couple of years, even before it started, the pandemic and stuff, I was only doing 20 to 25 shows a year. That's all I wanted. I wanted to be with my kids, watch them grow up, be a good dad, and uh so that's what I'm doing now. I think I maybe have eight shows for the rest of the year. Next year, I'll start up again, do about 20 shows. That's about it. Jeff and I have our uh, 
uh, our, our well, you're show. a lot smarter than me. I mean, I, I, I would argue, and I have great kids. I'm very blessed. They're doing great. And uh, But I, I would argue that I worked too hard and, and was gone too much. Uh, my work hours yeah, are that's brutal. The thing. That's, that's one of the things I learned from Jeff and other guys that uh, were mentors. You know, if, if, you, if you don't need to go to someplace and, 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 and your kids are doing something, do not miss them and their activities growing up if you if you're able to and and i I, that's my first priority now you know just to be a good dad and be a good parent and and uh, so i go out and and i take dates that i want to take i always like to work them around golf courses so i can golf and do the show and then but we have our uh jeff and larry's comedy roundup on series 97 jeff and i have a station on there and then of course uh mater from cars you know that keeps me going and we do a bunch of doing a bunch of fun things with uh, Mater lately. So I've been staying busy, and I've been trying to do my best to stay off the road as much as I can. I still love it. I still love stand-up, and I still go out and do it. I'm just not on the tour bus 280 days a year like I used to do because I, I I don't want to miss a, no, a it's lot of a, People don't realize for musicians and, and for comedians like yourself, especially early in your career, that that's, how, that's the only way you're going to be successful. And and I know guys, you know, at the at the height of their careers, Garth Brooks would be a perfect case in point. Uh, you know, he he just put it to rest and he said, I'll be back after I raise my kids and I admire it. And I, I, I honestly didn't have that option in my case, but I, I think you're making the right call and you won't regret it. And everybody. Well, absolutely. If you have the option to do that, that's a good choice. Some people, of course, like you said, don't have that option. And but if you do have the option, that's that's what you should do. Uh, well, the, uh, the news doesn't. Uh, comedy can kind of be delayed, but news doesn't stop on a dime. It just keeps flowing in every second of every day. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, so let me say this too: with the media always trying to divide everybody by race and by. Uh, like uh, culturally and everything, you know, that's, uh, I get so irritated at that because we were golfing today, uh, the other day, Mark Salen and I, and, you know, when I travel around the country and I do these events, I got to tell you, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. There, uh, the, There's uh, hundreds of millions of people out there getting along and loving one another and just, just wanting to raise their kids and be good people. And I get so sick and tired of turning on the news, and it's always something about this or that and trying to make people hate each other. We don't hate each other. And, and I, I just want people to know, man, just be kind and love one another. Love you. Got to let you run, man. Congrats. Larry the Cable Guy. It's on Hannity.com if you want to see his great chip shot. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, The latest out of Miami, massive protests. uh, Hopes now the murdering Marxist Castro dictatorship is uh, on its final legs. Uh, Larry Elder's running, by the way, for... Uh, governor in that recall race. He'll be with us tonight. Leo uh, 2.0, Lindsey Graham, and much, much more. Laura, Laura Trump, Nicole Sapphire on mandated uh, vaccines. 9 Eastern Hannity on Fox. We'll see you then. We'll be back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.